Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, June 7th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and the returning Chris Towers. Today on the show, the most added and dropped players from the weekend. Top five at each position. Two months in. Kind of a light night of baseball. We only had six games on the schedule. One got postponed. Only five games. But we'll talk about all of that. We'll recap Monday's action. But first, Chris, what's up, man? How's your time in Pittsburgh? You're back. Yeah, I'm back in in Brooklyn. I, I came home last weekend. It was nice to you know spend some time with family. But but I'm back at it. I'm back at normal schedule and normal stuff. I played softball tonight. First game of the season. Struck out the side, technically, Oof. in one inning. There's a rule where if you get multiple sh- foul balls with two strikes, it counts as a strikeout. And so technically, two of the strikeouts were of that variety. But I'm still counting it. Struck out the side in softball. Love to see it. That's how it should be, That's right? I, I mean, if, in my life. if it's slow-pitch softball, I mean, you've got to be able to hit the ball. So you, you hit a foul yeah. on two strikes, you should be out. I agree. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if you realize this, but while you were in Pittsburgh, you were the Pirates' good luck charm. They were 8-4 and four over their last 12 games, so hopefully wow. they can uh, You're, you're welcome, <laughs> Allegheny re- County residents. That's right. All right, anyway, let's get into Monday's action. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Oh, my goodness gracious. Who is that? Next to me, that is Scotty Dubs, Scott White, and he has a hitter that he wants to talk to you about. Yeah, well, you're going to start with me, huh? So we're going to we're going to start with not actually the the biggest performance of the day, but that's fine. Yeah. I'm going to use this opportunity to highlight a player I want to talk about who probably wouldn't have been in the rundown otherwise, because you know I'm sure a lot of the the players I that really did stand out in a big way. Monday, we'll we'll be sure to talk about anyway. So that player is Matt Chapman, who went. He had two hits today. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I know <laughs> he had two hits today, including a double, and that makes him now he's batting three oh five with two home runs in his past seventeen games. Appears to be heating up, as we've seen a lot of hitters do. Recently, what made me say, oh my goodness gracious, though, was when I went to his StatCast page and saw it lit up like a Christmas tree, all the red. His strikeout rate, which was 32.5% each of the past two years, is is now below 25%. And in fact, it's been about 21% since May 1st. So big improvement there from Matt Chapman. 
in the in the making contact department. Also, you may remember his average exit velocity was way down last year. Well, it's back to normal now. 92 percentile is his average. Like he's hitting the ball just about as hard as anybody. His hard hit rate over 50 percent, 96th percentile. So he's making a lot more contact. It's the high quality contact he used to make when he was, you know, the 30 plus homer guy with the A's. I mean, really, all the data looks like last year was the aberration for Matt Chapman. So I'm thinking he's about to go off in these 17 games, him batting 305 could be the start of it. I would, uh, I would classify Matt Chapman as a buy low candidate at a position of great need. So get out there and make some offers. I like it. Yeah, I mean, the batting average is up. The strikeouts are down. Just need that power to come, which really has been the case for a lot of Blue Jays hitters this year. So uh, perhaps there's just something going on as a team. Well, but a lot of them are heating up. Bo Bichette. That's true. Vladimir Guerrero just homered for the fourth time in six games, sixth time in 12. Teoscar Hernandez. I sat him last week. Oops. <laughs> Alejandro Kirk. Looks like a top five catcher all of a sudden. The one thing that I struggle with with Chapman, and this is not directly fantasy related, but you know, I, I was looking at it the other day, and his defensive metrics are still down um, pretty much across the board, actually slightly worse than last season, which was down from his peak. And obviously, you know, he's 29 years old. It's not totally unexpected that he would go from the best defensive player in the world to merely above average, which is what he's been the last couple of seasons. But, you know, that was one of the leading indicators for me with his hip was, you know, whether the defense was bouncing back and then that would be a sign of whether he was fully healthy. And so, you know, I, I'm not saying he's not healthy and I'm not saying that there aren't reasons to be excited about him. I do agree that just the, the underlying metrics are all looking the right way, but you know, that was something that I had identified before the season as something I wanted to keep an eye on. So, you know, it's possible he's just no longer an elite defensive player and that won't that's not an indication of his physical ability as a hitter. But, you know, that, that's something I, I wanted to keep an eye on. So at least for the Blue Jays, that's not a great thing. I think that is fair criticism and skepticism, Chris, but. This third base position, man. But I agree. He's a buy low based on <laughs> yeah. the, the data. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's just and take I, a shot. I, let's take a shot and see where it goes. Because after, I don't know where you guys have him ranked. I've got him 18th. And I think that means that there are 18 third basemen that I feel okay about. I have him 16th, but I have some names okay. ahead of him that, I mean, I, I've got to update the rank. It's like, Yoan Moncada looks yeah, I mean, I've lost got, again. I've got Moncada ahead of him. That one's iffy right now. Alec Bohm, I think, is kind of iffy after a hot start. Um, I'm sure I probably moved Bohm ahead of Chapman at one point, but that's going to change now. So I have Chapman 12th, and I'm probably going to move him up to 10th based on what I just observed tonight. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm in a different place from you guys. Yeah. I agree with you hitting Suarez ranked. 18th. I, I have him 17th. He, he's been good. He's hit for power this year. His strikeouts are yeah. massive, though. He's he's striking yeah. out at a crazy rate. Uh, the only the, A close one, I think, is Cabrian Hayes versus Matt Chapman, and I would take Cabrian Hayes just because he's younger. I think there's a little bit more upside, and he's doing some interesting things uh, under the hood as well. So I, I think that's close, but Chapman probably should be in that range and, and look to buy low on him. Chris, oh my goodness gracious, for you from Monday, eh, the actual oh my goodness gracious player. 
Yeah, kind of the free space on the board was Hunter Green. Complete game, technically. That's true. (laughs) Seven innings, uh, weather-aided complete game, but still a complete game shutout. Seven innings, one hit, eight strikeouts, zero walks uh, for Hunter Green. The fastball was unhittable in this one. 12 whiffs on 25 swings, 46 pitches. That is a massive 48% whiff rate, uh, better than a 25% swing strike rate. Also had five whiffs on the slider, which is a pretty good number. But, you know, the four-seam fastball was the star of the show today. And, look, the, the Diamondbacks aren't the, <laughs> the toughest matchup in the world. But Hunter Green's fastball has been, I think it's fair to say, kind of a liability for him this season. His um, The run value on it has been, you know, pretty bad. If you look at the, the various underlying metrics, he had a 730 expected slugging percentage coming in a 478 expected woba on the pitch but this was a uh, a very good start and the the thing about it is um he's been getting whiffs with the fastball pretty regularly i mean you throw 99 miles an hour on average you better get whiffs with your fastball it's it's not really a whiffs problem he's got a 25 percent whiff rate which for a fast forcing fastball is pretty good if not quite elite um but it gets hit hard. And so, you know, it's one start, the spin rate and stuff like that was still mostly where it has been in the past. So I'm not sure there's necessarily um, a ton to take away from it, but he was getting more movement with the pitch. If you look at, you know, into the baseball savant uh, underlying metrics on the player breakdown page, he was getting three more inches of vertical break, five more inches of horizontal break on the fastball. That's not necessarily... You know, a, a sign that he's fixed what's wrong with the fastball, but it, it's a good sign given that it's been an issue for him. Well, it was also down, down 1.2 miles per hour on average, mm-hmm. which is interesting that this is like the best fastball we've seen from him in terms of effectiveness. And it wasn't as hard. I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was doing something a little different. I don't know exactly what, but it, it it seemed like it was different in a few different ways uh, that then contributed to making it more effective. Another thing I've noticed for Hunter Green is he stopped walking, guys. He has a combined four yeah. walks in his past four starts, and uh, that's obviously always a good thing. So I would say he's trending the right direction, and hopefully you got him in your yeah, I mean, lineup like, for this two-start week. There's obvious upside and talent here that's been worth betting on, even when the fastball has been bad, just because, you know, like his his numbers have been bad this season. You know, 540 ERA even after this start, that's bad. But he's got a strikeout rate right around 30%. Walk rate's a little high, right around 11%, but that's not so bad. And I guess if you're looking for reasons to buy in to this start, you know, the... The main thing, if you look at like the, the chart, you know, the, I don't know, the, the strike zone chart, I guess is what you would call it. I don't know what what you would call that, but he did a really good job of keeping the fastball up in the zone. And when you have a four seam fastball, you know, you're looking for whiffs. Those are going to be high in the zone. So, you know, his problem has been one, it's a pretty straight fastball, despite how hard he throws it Two, he leaves it in the middle of the zone a lot. Um, 
So, you know, it could be a, a situation where it's just more about leaving in the upper third of the zone rather than the middle third of the zone. And if he can do that, he can be more effective. Um, I think he's pretty close to a must roster pitcher, just given the upside, even though the, you know, the ups and downs have, you know, arguably featured more ups or downs so far this season. But I think the, the skill set is obvious. Yeah. Hunter Green is up to 78% rostered and obviously up a little bit more this week because he was in line for the two starts. His 72 strikeouts overall ranked top 10 among starting pitchers. So despite the ERA being inflated, he's had a few blowups. He is giving a ton of strikeouts right now. And Scott, just a last point on the velocity being down. I think maybe trying to throw a little bit less hard for him, but maybe if that helps him actually pinpoint where he's throwing the ball might actually be a good thing because it's still like, even if it's down one mile per hour from his season's average, it's still really fast. So if that's something that can help him like harness yeah, control, no, I, mean, I think, I think sure. it's something he should do. So the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Right? 100%. Yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, Hunter green. Uh, I think, look, as long as he's in line for two stars or he's got a pretty good matchup, I, I think we're obviously rolling with Hunter green right now. Michael Waka, not sure he was in many lineups this week, but uh, he tosses a three hit shutout up against the angels and he, again, allows us three hits, one walk, six strikeouts. He had 12 swinging strikes in the start. He lowers his ERA to 1.99. The underlying numbers do not agree. The XFIP is up over four. He has just 33 strikeouts in 49 and two-thirds innings pitched, and his BABIP seems extremely lucky, all the way down at 188. He is 63% rostered. Scott is there anything to do with this it, it feels weird because obviously it's a shutout and it's against what should be a good lineup but i'm mm-hmm. still just not very encouraged by michael Waka. no i'm not either i mean he does have a 203 era 0.92 whip the strikeout rate oh oh actually i guess it's lower now because he ended up pitching the ninth inning yeah uh the strikeout rate and walk rate are both terrible for Waka, and doesn't get ground know, balls he has an XFIP over four. His FIP was over four as well. It's below four now, but it's high threes. Like, there's really nothing to back up the performance. And and you know, prior to this start, I was writing it off because like he was he was basically just like a a glorified long reliever. He was going four and a third innings, maybe five and a third innings. This was only his second in start of six plus innings, and he went the full nine. So like, there's not even. Uh, you know, he hasn't had to navigate the third time through the lineup very often. It's even. only the sixth start in his career of eight or more innings. And this is his 10th major league season. So not exactly someone who goes deep into games. Yeah. Look, awesome. Even when things are good. Awesome start. Happy for the Red Sox fans out there. Okay, you got this great start. Angels, by the way, they've lost 12 games in a row. It's, they are kind of spiraling yeah, right it, now. It, it should be a bad matchup, but yeah. it hasn't been lately. Yeah, I, I don't think we could do much with this from a fantasy perspective with Michael Waka. Let's move over to some other starting pitchers who are on the mound on Monday. And I think just kind of collectively talk about where these pitchers should be placed in the rankings. Scott, you and I were talking yesterday about that 20 through 50 glob, which is like very interchangeable right now and trying to figure out what to do with that glob. And let's start with Carlos Carrasco, who was frankly awesome on Monday. He goes into San Diego uh, and he goes seven innings, ten, uh, two runs allowed. He had 10 strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes, and he lowers the ERA to 3.52. Outside of the injury concerns, 
performance, Carrasco's been pretty awesome this season. Uh, Chris, where do you think Carlos Carrasco should be ranked as a starting pitcher? Uh, he has been pretty consistently in the 35 to 25 range for me basically since the preseason. I think I ended up with him inside of my top 40 uh, during draft season, and he's up to 25. And um, we'll say 24. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's I've been pretty aggressive on him all along, but I, I feel pretty good about it. Well, it's it's easy to say he's been awesome after this start, which was an objectively awesome start. But I was beginning to worry about him. Uh, you know, his previous four outings were all short, less than six innings, too many base runners, too many hits, too many runs. Uh, and, it, and it's not like he was you know, getting the strikeout rate we were we gotten used to seeing from him in his prime. So I had actually dropped him outside of the top 60 in my rest of season rankings. Obviously because he's in such a big glob and he, uh, he just had this start. You know, I, I could probably move him up into the top 50. But, I mean, I guess that just shows how globby it is that Chris could have him top 25 and I could have Carrasco top 50. Yeah. Describing his season as awesome probably was premature, but his swinging strike rate is going to climb up over 13% now after this start. He is getting ground balls at a 47% clip. His K to walk ratio has been pretty good for most of the season. He looks pretty healthy, so he's not as good as the Carrasco of old, but um, he's about like 85% of who that pitcher was, which... Makes for a pretty valuable starting pitcher right now. Robbie Ray, on the other hand, uh, not so great. Another subpar outing, this time at the Astros. Obviously a very tough matchup. He goes five innings. He gives up four runs, three of those earned on eight hits, three walks, only three strikeouts. The ERA is now up to 4.97. Scott, and with every successive start, it's just starting to feel more and more obvious that last year was the clear outlier for Robbie Ray. Are you getting to a point like that and... Uh, are you dropping him maybe outside of your top 20 starting pitchers? Hmm. I don't know that I don't know that I think it's as clear as you think it is. Uh obviously there were some velocity issues going on early in the season that kept his strikeouts down. The strikeouts have picked up. But he has had some lingering walk issues and you know, obviously the long ball got to him today. The long ball's gotten to him recently. He's now given up Eight, a home run, at least a home run in eight straight starts. Um, and he does tend to get hit hard. Even last year, when he allowed contact, it tended to be hard contact. So I think the walks are the main thing. And it's not like he's regressed to pre-2021 walk levels. His walk rate isn't good. It's not as bad as it used to be. And when you're, when you're capable of missing bats like he is, I don't know. I... I can I drop him outside my top 20? Yeah, probably. I mean, yesterday, who, who are we saying I'd trade for Robbie Ray? Was it Jose Barrios? Yes. And I think I still would, even as awesome as Barrios' last start was. How about Severino, Scott? We talked a lot about him yesterday. Like, Are you going to rank Severino ahead of Robbie Ray? I'm inclined to say yes right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's hard. Like, I don't want to constantly be moving guys 
within this glob 20 spots based on the way their last start went, you know, it's right. But all the metrics for Severino look awesome and he's been throwing that slider more. So I'm torn. I'm torn on that. But I, I would, as of this moment, I'm inclined and I probably wouldn't have yesterday, but <laughs> based on the way, uh, Ray continues to allow home runs. Uh, I, I think my trust is higher in Luis Severino right now. Yeah, Robbie Ray, I mean, he's just kind of regressing a little bit in each department, and it's all coming together, and it's just not working out well. The walks are up a little well, bit. The, the home runs are up a little bit. The strikeouts are down a little bit. A lot of hard contact. And, I mean, look, all of those things together, it's not good. He's, he's kind of a three-true outcome pitcher right now, which yeah. is not what you really want to see. So, Well, and, and that's the thing is that when you're – when you get hit as hard as he does, when you give up contact, your margin for like this is something that you know we've talked about with with my concerns about Robbie Ray in the past is that when you get hit this hard, and I think you mean Shane Bieber, right? Sorry, Shane Bieber. Yes. Uh, when you don't have, if you don't have elite strikeout rates, if you just have very good strikeout rates, if you don't have very good control, you just have pretty good control. That leaves you more. Uh, prone to these kind of blowups because when you strike out 33% of batters, then you can get away with it when it's 28% like he's at right now. That's just every slight opportunity for another home run, another double. And that's going to happen for him more often than it does for most pitchers. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's always going to be a concern when you get hit the way Robbie Ray does. Yeah, I think I'm going to drop him outside the top 20 starting yeah, pitchers. Yeah, I moved him he's, outside the top 20. He is entering the glob, and is we'll he, see where he goes from there. Is he a buy low, though? I mean, will we all buy low on Robbie Ray? Depends what buy low means. Yeah, I think it depends it how low, does. you know? Yeah. Like, but would he, I we, we all think Patrick Sandoval for him? We yes, all, I would. We all think he's better than a 540 ERA. Yes, or, I'm yeah. sorry, that's just what he had today. A 497 ERA is what Robbie Ray is up to this mm-hmm. year. Would I give up Patrick Sandoval for him? Yes, I would. Would yes. you trade Nestor Cortez to get Robbie Ray? That was the other name that I was looking <laughs> at. And that's... <laughs> I would. Uh, I would feel bad about it. Uh, <laughs> but I would, I, yeah. I don't know that I could. Uh, that was a hard one. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to trade any <laughs> pitchers for any pitchers. Right? Right. What about Tarek Skubal? Uh, that I would do. Uh, I would do. That. Yeah, I would trade Scooble for Ray. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we found the the breaking point for trying to acquire uh, Robbie Ray on the cheap right now. The other one I wanted to mention, Blake Snell, another clunker. This one up against the Mets. He goes four plus innings. He gives up four runs, seven more hits, three walks. The truth remains. While there was a stretch where Blake Snell looked unhittable last year, seven eight start stretch in August, he was awesome. Since the start of 2019, tonight included, he has a 4.17 ERA. That is a very big amount of starts and time to be a pitcher in baseball and have an ERA that high. So (laughs) I am happy that I have no shares of Blake Snell. I don't know what to do with him. I don't really want to rank him inside of my top 50 starting pitchers. He is just very frustrating. Chris, what do we do with Blake Snell? I don't really think you do anything with him. I think this would be a bad time to trade him because he's going to have stretches where he looks better than this. And if you don't believe in him, do you just roll him out there though? Wait. Is he is he just a must start? Do you just is he just a oh, you just I, throw in your I, uh, Not a must start at all. No. 
I think he's. I think Snell is closer to droppable than must start. Okay. Like I, I shallow league. Hunter Green's out there. I'm probably dropping Blake Snell for him if it comes to that. I'm, I'm not saying like Blake Snell is must drop or anything, but we were to the, or at least I was to the point, and I think a lot of people were last August before that incredible stretch, Frank, where we basically were dropping him. He was yeah. a four or five inning pitcher who, you know, walked a batter every other inning, and like it. There just wasn't much utility in that. And and he has been that more often than not since he won the Cy Young in 2018. Yep. But then came that amazing stretch at the end of last season before he hurt his groin when he you know started going seven innings, striking out 11 batters every time out. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess there's still something here. Uh, I, We're if, on... If you'll remember during that stretch, he really simplified when basically fastball slider. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's throwing his slider 30% of the time. And he's, he, I, I don't know if it was as simple as that, but he's gone away from that and he's, it, it's gotten back to these, uh, you know, too many walks, not enough innings. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was basically fastball 50% of the time, slider 35% of the time, curveball 10 to 15% of the time. And that, I don't know, when, when, when you look at what he's done recently, one thing that stands out is the past three seasons, his fastball has been pretty bad. Uh, expected Wobo over the past three seasons, 433, 369, 419 with the fastball. With decent whiff rates, but nothing to write home about. So it, it's not this overpowering pitch, at least it hasn't been the last few seasons. And he throws it, you know, right around half the time. I don't know if he mixes his uh, his arsenal up enough. I don't know if the the changeup is enough of a weapon to you know be worth throwing as often as he does. And so it just, I do think there's a version of Blake Snell that can still have success, but it's probably one where he throws his slider thirty five percent of the time, and he's not doing that right now. And so mm-hmm. I. I don't. Wa- I wouldn't want to drop him because I think there are some relatively simple tweaks that he can make to get there. Although I do think you know he would probably still be, even a successful version of of Blake Snell at this point would probably be someone who's prone to some blowups the same way Robbie Ray is. Um, but I, I do think there are relatively straightforward tweaks he can make that make me want to not drop him. But yeah, I, I've never moved him inside of my top forty five this mm-hmm. season, you know, even once he came back from the injury. So I've remained pretty skeptical and I continue to remain. All right. Skeptical. Last one here, uh, Christian Javier, he's kind of slowing down a little bit. I'm wondering, did we get ahead of ourselves a little bit by pushing him up the rankings? Scott, 30 seconds or less. What are we doing with Javier? Like all the underlying numbers still look great. Great swinging strike rate, great ERA estimators. Um, you know, I, I wonder if how, Likely he is to get bumped from the rotation at some point, but I, I would keep him right around 50th. Okay. The most added and most dropped from the weekend. These are a lot of names that we've talked about. Just a few that I wanted to highlight here. Uh, the most added hitters, Christopher Morel, Alejandro Kirk, Kyle Farmer, Trey Mancini, Andres Jimenez, and Vinny Pasquantino, which seems like he is on the verge, he is breaking down the door, ready to get called up by the Kansas City Royals. Um, those are the most added hitters. I, I think we've talked a lot about those recently. The most dropped hitters. Is there anyone on this list that you think maybe shouldn't have been dropped? Eric Hosmer, Sean Murphy, Alec Bohm, Juan Yepes, Josh Naylor. Is there anywhere on that 
list, anyone on that list that stands out as um, should not be dropped? Well, I think we need to give Eric Hosmer some more respect. <laughs> or whatever the phrasing was earlier in the season. Gee, who could have seen this coming? And Alec Bohm kind of looks like a right-handed <laughs> Eric Hosmer in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I would say if there's anybody here that I don't, that I, I would not want to drop, it would probably be Josh Naylor. But even he's, you know, a relatively unproven bat-only guy who doesn't steal. So I don't, uh, I can't begrudge anybody. And I, I've dropped Sean Murphy. You know, it's it's hard because, like, he ranks highly at catcher. I think he's still, like, top six or seven. He just plays so much, Chris. He it's plays every day. Yeah. I think he leads the position in games DH'd. Um, and so he's just got, you know, that that's so valuable. But at some point, 175 batting average since the start of May, that's actually hurting you the more he plays. Yeah, no, that's so, a good point. Um, I'm trying to remember who I sat him for in one league. I th- Jose Trevino, um, who I don't necessarily think is better, but yeah. right now I'll take my chances. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. I'm cool with all these hitters being dropped. I, I'm okay with them all being dropped too, but I, I think I think Alec Bohm is the most likely to be useful in part because of the in, in large part because of the position he plays. And well I I get the Eric Hosmer comp. It's it's kind of like a less extreme version of Eric Hosmer. Hits the ball hard. Should it could elevate better, but you know he elevates a little better than like a Brian Hayes or, or Hosmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the expected stats on StatCast are much better than the actual stats for Bohm. All right, fair enough. The most added pitchers from the weekend. Uh, most of these, actually, all of them are two-star pitchers. Graham Ashcraft, Jeffrey Springs. Finally, Scott, Jeffrey Springs. People are adding him. Uh, Edward Cabrera. Turns out that he has two starts this week. He's going up against the Nationals and the Astros. Connor Pilkington and then John Gray. Believe John Gray will still have two starts. That game was postponed on Monday, but he is going to start game one of the doubleheader on Tuesday. Someone we haven't talked about is actually Keegan Thompson, who was the sixth most added pitcher. And he's bounced between the bullpen and the rotation for the Cubs this year, but he's got a 1.99 ERA, a 108 whip. He gets a lot of ground balls, not that many strikeouts, does a good job of limiting hard contact. He's he's one of those pitchers. Uh, Scott, is there anything here with Keegan Thompson? I'm going to start fading those pitchers. I think I've, I've, I've think I've fallen a bit too in love with those pitchers in recent years, looking for a market inefficiency. And, uh, that's, that's one of the changes that I intend to make next year. I'm, I'm kind of trying to, uh, look at ways I may have strayed in my evaluations of players because particularly with pitchers, I don't know. I think I've overcomplicated things. So I, you know, just by virtue of him having a 199 ERA, expect Keegan Thompson to regress. And I don't know how firm his grip is on a rotation spot anyway, because you got Matt Swarmer coming in and doing some impressive things. And and Thompson began the year in the bullpen and was pretty valuable there. So there's that holding me back as well. All right. I I would say with that archetype of pitcher, they probably need to stand out somewhere. And... I don't think Keegan Thompson does in uh, like he's got a good ground ball rate, but I'm not sure it's so good that you can expect him to 
to outperform the middling strikeout rate. And he's got like decent control, but not great. It, it's yeah. You probably need like really, really great ground ball rates or really, really great get control. And even then it's iffy. Plus I don't think it's going to be as valuable in an environment where home runs are no longer, um, the avoidance of fly balls is no longer as important because fly balls don't often, as often yield home runs. Right. Although that may be changing the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I, not, I think, it's not going back to, it's gotten better, but it's not all the way back to where it was, yeah. you know, 2016 through 2021. Yeah. We're due for another macro level view of offense the past couple of weeks. So I'll kind of yeah. conjure that up. You know, by the time we get to mid June, I'll probably do like a, a two week look at June and, Let's see where offense is out there. The most dropped pitchers from this weekend. Dylan Bundy, David Peterson, Grayson Rodriguez, unfortunately, Matthew Liberator, and uh, Bruce Zimmerman, who has an 8.57 ERA over his last four starts. I assume we're good with all those pitchers being dropped. Totally fine with that. All right. Let's take a break. Uh, and when we get back, we will get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The news and notes. Fernando Tatis will undergo a CT scan on his left wrist later this week in hopes of getting cleared to hit. He's been fielding some ground balls. I saw some video of him at Petco Park. Cross our fingers. We need some Mm -hmm. Fernando Tatis back in our lives. I Actually, I have two shares of him just from early drafts that I did before he was hurt, so I really could use Fernando Tatis. I've got him in like two of my... like. Most important leagues. I've gotten him in Tout Wars and and in one of my money leagues. And boy, I would really love to get him back. Let's do it. Let's get Fernando Tatis. Wander Franco has yet to resume baseball activities since suffering a right quad train on May 30th. And just watching some Rays games earlier this year, it always kind of felt like he was dealing with something. I would see him run the bases and he would kind of pull up lame. And I, I feel like this has been kind of hampering him for longer than they let on. So. 
I, I think we could see maybe an extended absence here for Wander Franco. Some rehab updates. Jack Flaherty struck out three over three perfect innings in his first rehab start on Sunday. Shane Boz struck out 10 over four and a third innings on Sunday in his fourth rehab start with AAA. He's up to 84% rostered and rightfully so. Uh, if he's available in any of your leagues, please go out there and add Shane Boz. Uh, Scott, I haven't seen an official timeline, but he's made four rehab starts. I, I feel like we're probably pretty close to seeing Boz with the Rays, right? Yeah, I would say so. All right. Uh, Clayton Kershaw allowed one run over four innings on Sunday in a rehab start at single A. He's expected to rejoin the Dodgers this weekend and pitch against the San Francisco Giants. Tyler McGill has joined the Mets on the West Coast. He's tentatively lined up to pitch this weekend against the Angels. Jonathan India will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. He has not appeared in a game since April 30th, dealing with that hamstring injury. The Astros officially signed Jordan Alvarez to a six-year, $115 million contract extension. This, the deal buys out the rest of his arbitration seasons, along with three additional free agent years. Andrew Benatendi missed mo Monday's game with calf tightness. Uh, as expected, Jaron Duran was optioned back to AAA with Jackie Bradley returning to the Red Sox, which it sucks. We talked about it yesterday, Scott. I mean, he he led off two games over the weekend. He looked pretty good. It's yeah, mm -hmm. I'm I'm waiting yep. for them to give Benintendi a real shot. But you mean Duran? Uh, yes. Or you, you mean Duran? Yeah, yeah. I did. I meant Duran, but yeah. I think it's just kind of uh, you did the you did the Matt Weeders thing. Yeah, it was one of those like weird slips, like lefty <laughs> bat for the Red Sox, who's a prospect. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Uh, Billy Ober is headed back to the IL with a right groin strain. Uh, Jamer Candelario could be headed to the IL with a shoulder injury. David Peralta was removed from Monday's game with back spasms. Mike Moustakis placed on the IL without a designation, which sounds like a COVID situation. Sheldon Noisy optioned back to AAA on Monday. Jake Odorizzi threw a 57-pitch bullpen session on Saturday and had no complications. He's on the IL with strains in his right foot slash ankle. That's 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 what I'm talking about with Christian Javier. Yep, that can uh, that can be two, pretty bad there. Two sub five inning starts in a row. Not not good with Odorizzi building up again. I think Eduardo Escobar just hit for the triple. Uh, just hit for the cycle, cycle. right? He hit a trip. I'm all over the place right now. My my head is going bonkers. But he just hit for a Benintendi. Yes. He, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, yes, but he is standing on third base. He's asking for the ball. I know he hit a home run earlier in the game. Uh, mm. I think he just completed the cycle in the ninth inning. I almost sat Eduardo Cabrera and or Eduardo Escobar and Tout Wars. Uh, we are. A mess. I almost did, but I said, you know what? This will be the week. I'm not going to repeat the mistake I made last week with Kyle Schwarber, Brian Reynolds, and Teoscar Hernandez. Granted, this is a 15-team league, so Eduardo Escobar is that level, I guess. All right. I didn't do it, and look I, uh, what happened. Nice. I want to go back to uh, Shane Boz just for a second. Um, he's got 10 days left on his rehab assignment, so one way or another, by the end of next week, he's going to be back, mm. assuming he doesn't suffer some kind of setback, but I believe the 17th would be 30 days. So, I mean, they could option them. I, I guess don't, I don't think they will, them, but they could. But that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan Yarbrough. Either, either he's, he's going to be back on the 17th or 18th or everyone's going to be yelling at the Rays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reds, I guess you can't put past them. Reds prospect Jose Barrero was reinstated from the IL and then optioned back to AAA. He's 
Just a name to watch in deeper leagues. He has got sneaky power and speed. Dallas Keuchel signed a minor league contract with the Diamondbacks. These hitters were not on the most added or dropped list, but they've been hot recently, or at least today. And I guess we should start with Eduardo Escobar, who just hit for the cycle. Uh, he had his fifth home run as well. He's down to 71% rostered. Chris, do you think that number should be higher? It's kind of weird because Escobar, he's one of those players who excels in points leagues, so... I don't know that this number should be much higher than 71%. Yeah, I mean, he's eligible at, what, three different positions? So I think that helps. I think it's um, just second and third, but it's still pretty Second good. and third, plus middle infield and corner infield, so technically five if you want to include utility. <laughs> so, you know. Um, I think that's right. He's a pretty fringe guy in a 12-team points league, but you know anything deeper than that, he's okay to have around. Brandon Drury went two for four with his 10th home run, and he is batting 263 overall. He's got a career high 11.7% barrel rate. Expected numbers look pretty good. I don't think this roster rate needs to be higher for Brandon Drury, but I think if you picked him up, let's just stick with it. Let's ride the hot hand and see how long this lasts because he's been pretty good. He hits in a good ballpark. He plays every day. So I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't drop off the face of the earth when he cooled off because now he's hot again. Right. 440 with two home runs so far in June. And yeah, as as you said, the data all looks all backs it up. You know, he was a pretty good hitter when he first broke into the majors and then fell on hard time. I don't know. I, I'm I'm beginning to believe in Brandon Drury a little bit more. What about Santiago Espinal, who had two more hits, including his fifth home run? He's batting 280 overall. I, I don't think he is a high has a high ceiling or anything, but I think the floor is pretty high for him. And last seven games, he's batting 391. He's got three homers, second base, third base eligibility. Chris, do you have any, any takes on uh, Santiago Espinal? I, I think what we said about Eduardo Escobar probably applies here. He's not someone who's worth starting in a 12-team head-to-head points league, but there's utility outside of that, I think. If you are right, like I, I do think the the like batting average seems pretty safe. Like he doesn't strike out very much. His quality of contact is pretty mediocre. But I think he could hit two eighty ish moving forward, which is what you've gotten from him so far. And that's there's utility in that. Yep, I, I would rather have Escobar than Espinal. I think I would too. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, Escobar. I don't know if it's not going to work out for him this year in the new environment, but he's, you know, we've, we've thought of him as a reliable source of 25 yeah. homers uh, coming into the year. And I think he got off to a slow start last year too, before turning it on. If you need a catcher in a two catcher league, someone I added this weekend was Cal Raleigh. And I'm admitting, admitting I got super lucky with, with this game on, uh, on Monday, he went two for four. He had a sixth home run. He added four RBI and, um, his last 10 games, he's hitting 273 homers, 97 mile per hour average exit velocity. It's a very small sample size. He strikes out a ton, but the name there. His minor league numbers Cal are Raleigh. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of excited when he got called up last year, but yeah. just didn't really do anything. So uh, in those two catcher leagues, he's just 
someone to watch. All right, top five at each position. I don't want to spend too much time on each of these, but uh, we could just kind of do this rapid fire style. We'll start with catcher, and this is uh, based on Roto. I'll point out any differences in head-to-head points leagues, but the top five catchers, Wilson Contreras, Dalton Varsho, Tyler Stevenson, JT Real Muto, Alejandro Kirk. That's right, Alejandro Kirk. And head-to-head points, uh, Will Smith is in there instead of... Tyler Stevenson. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys about JT Real Muto. Just what's your read on him so far this season? He's hitting 253, three homers, four steals. He still ranks in the top five because he's playing a lot still. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like the underlying numbers are just not as good. Scott, what do you think about Real Muto? Yeah, I think he's clearly in decline. He showed signs of decline each of the last two years. So it's not like a steep decline, but it's a, it's a, he's continuing down the slope and is bailed out by how much he plays. And he deserves to be in the top five catchers. Uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, just because I, the circumstances aren't going to change for him, obviously. But he is not really a threat to be the number one catcher anymore, I don't think. He's a compiler, I yeah. think, at this point. Yeah. He's been that way, basically, for the last calendar year, really. Um, he got off to a good start last season, but... I think basically over the last 365 days, he's been like a 700-ish OPS bat. Yep. So not great there, but he does play a lot. That's JT Real Muto. Let's move over to first base. The top five, Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo, CJ Crone, Ty France, and Freddie Freeman in head-to-head points leagues. Anthony Rizzo is just ahead of CJ Crone in that format. And Chris, speaking of CJ Crone, he has been awesome. However... The Rockies have 59 road games left versus 49 home games. Is that something that uh, you would see? And then you look at the splits and you realize Crone is amazing in Coors Field and eh, maybe just shop him around and see if you could sell high. Yeah, he's an obvious sell high candidate. Um, on the basis of that and the the overall numbers, that being said, like, I don't know, the fact that Anthony Rizzo is still a top five first baseman in the head-to-head points league and Ty, Ty France, I know he had a 900 OPS in May, but like it's mostly just batting average um, in a way that's not sustainable. So I I don't know. It's it's hard to sell someone who's hitting like CJ Crone right now when there aren't a lot of viable options. But yeah, I, I think the fact that you know what 58 percent of his remaining games are are on the road is enough to make him a sell high candidate. No, oh. France has eight home runs. Yeah, five He's of them came for more than twenty. Five of them came in uh, in April, and I think like wasn't it like all really? Well, I guess they were sort of evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of Ty France, he is in the top five at second base as well, where we have Trey Turner, Tommy Edmond, Ty France, Trevor Story, and Jazz Chisholm. And in head-to-head points league, Jeff, Jeff McNeil is just ahead of Jazz Chisholm. And I actually was going to ask you guys about Ty France and. Uh, whether or not he's legit, he's making a ton of contact this year, which you know lends itself to hitting for a high batting average. He hits a good amount of line drives, too many ground balls. But I think by season's end, Scott, we're probably looking at a 300 hitter, 18 to 20 home runs, which is good. Yeah, it's just I don't know if it's an elite player. Well, I don't know either because I don't know what an elite hitter is anymore. True, and I don't I don't think I will know until the end of the season, honestly. Uh, but I I think. I think he's 
pretty legit. I mean, I, I thought he was one of the better bets for batting average. Look, look in, in 43 games in 2020, he hit 305. In 152 games last year, he hit 291. He hit 399 one year in the minors. Like he, in a way that isn't fully explained by the data, he seems like a really good bet for batting average. And now he's cut down on his strikeout rate in a pretty dramatic way this year. Uh, high line drive rate, hits the ball to all fields. You know, take, taking all those factors into account, uh, the 352 BABIP that he's currently sporting doesn't seem that unsustainable. I think it'll drop off some, but I, I think he's, you know, he could he could be like a 315, 320 hitter I, I, with with decent power. I think he's a lot like the the good version of Jeff McNeil. Not Jeff McNeil right now, even though he's playing well, but the Jeff McNeil from like 2018 or whatever it was. Yeah, which was like a 300 hitter with 18 to 20 homers. So that's that's a pretty good player in this environment. Again, like batting average around the league is still down quite a bit. So when you find someone like Ty France who doesn't kill your power, it's a pretty valuable player. Third base has been, honestly, while it's not a good position at all, it's been the most predictable. The top five was basically the top five being drafted. Jose Ramirez, Rafael yeah. Devers, Manny Machado, Austin Riley, Nolan Arenado. I know that, Chris Bryant was kind of pushing that top five um, once he got traded, uh, rather signed with the uh, Rockies. Uh, And it's actually the same in head-to-head points leagues. Chris, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Nolan Arenado because, you know, everyone was coming for you in April when he was amazing. He had an 1125 OPS. And then in May, yeah, it was a bad week. Yeah, it was a bad week for me with Nolan Arenado that first week of the season. But uh, (laughs) things have looked okay since then. Well, what are you expecting from him moving forward, I guess? Um, reasonable batting average, above average power, but not elite. Good run production numbers because he never strikes out. I think like Jose Abreu-ish, like what we've gotten from Jose Abreu outside of like the, the one monster season. Mm-hmm. Um, probably less of a source of batting average, but like I, I said you know, a bad week. He, really, since the seventh game of the season, he's hitting 257 with a 744 OPS. I think he'll be better than that. And he's still driven on a 93 run pay, or RBI pace. So I think, like, he's going to be a good source of RBI, a pretty good source of power and average. I just think, like, that's probably it. He's going to be close to a zero, in, or a zero in steals and pretty bad in runs because he's a low OBP guy. So I don't know. And... He's a clear fifth third baseman for me. I think there's a, a gap between him and Riley, but I don't know if anybody else is coming up close to him with Chris Bryant's injury issues. Yeah, no, I, I think that's all fair. Uh, for a shortstop, the top five Francis... Maybe Matt Chapman. <laughs> maybe. 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 At shortstop, maybe. we've got Francisco Lindor, number one overall at shortstop. Trey Turner, Tommy Edmond, Xander Bogarts, Trevor Story, and it is the same in head-to-head points. But just outside of that top five is Dansby Swanson, who I did want to mention hit his first home run on April 28th in 36 games since that game. 316 batting average, six homers, eight steals in 879 OPS. Uh, Scott, Dansby Swanson is running a, a high BABIP right now, so I think there's a chance mm-hmm. the batting average comes down. But in terms mm-hmm. of power, speed, I mean, he's been maybe the best hitter on the Braves? I don't know where the nine steals are coming from. 
Yeah. Well, if that continues, like if if the nine steals have the potential to be a game changer for yeah. Swans, I mean, if he's going to be like a twenty-five steal guy, okay, that that uh, yeah, that 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 really changes his outlook for fantasy. He's he's been pretty streaky over the years, and he looked awful at the start of the year. Like I was I was worried he was going to be one of those players that was just ruined by this new ball, and so I'm, I'm encouraged to see that he's still capable of um of being an impact player for stretches and he's been so impactful during this stretch that he's moved up to second in the order for the Braves they kind of rejiggered their lineup a couple weeks ago moved Matt Olsen down to to fifth and uh, Swanson up to second which I don't think is going to be a permanent arrangement if if Matt Olsen hits like Matt Olsen if Dansby Swanson hits like Dansby Swanson in the long run you're going to want Olsen higher in the lineup than Swanson but it's it's been enjoyable for now i guess what i'm trying to say is swanson's i'd view him as something of a sell high candidate a serviceable starter but this is uh you know he's he's due to regress some from this the top five outfielders this season aaron judge mookie betts bryce harper jordan alvarez and tommy edmund and tommy edmund's really popping up in in every position second base shortstop outfield and he's hitting 280. He's got five homers. He's got 14 steals, 44 runs scored, is tied for second in Major League Baseball. He's on pace for 38 steals over 150 games. Uh, Chris, I know you expressed some skepticism recently. You know, the OPS wasn't great for Edmund in the month of May. But uh, what do you think about what we've seen from him so far and I guess moving forward? I, I just, I, I guess it depends on like what you expect him to be. Moving forward, if there's some expectation that he is like a difference maker outside of stolen bases, then I think you're likely to be pretty disappointed with him. But like a guy who hits 270, 275 and steals a bunch of bases and hits at the top of a decent lineup, like that's a must start player, especially one who's eligible at three different positions. So it sounds a lot like Whit Merrifield, honestly, Chris. Yeah, like that, that, that could be what. Whit Merrifield has been, and Whit Merrifield's been a, you know, borderline star for fantasy. So, you know, I was skeptical of the speed after last season. And, you know, for what it's worth, he did slow down uh, a bit as the season went on last year. Um, let me see. Yeah, he had, well, I guess 17, 16 before the All-Star break, 14 after. Was it just, no, I guess he had th- four steals in every month but one. He had nine in September, so that's a you know, a little bit of a a fluke, a little. But yeah, I think like he seems like a solid thirty-plus steel guy who's gonna be decent in runs and and batting average. So it's a must-start player for sure. Starting pitcher just end the season right now. Shane McClanahan is number one. Sandy <laughs> Alcantara is number two. I mean, I couldn't have drawn it up any better this season. Like, Let's just end the season. This, this is awesome. This is this is for Roto, right? And, and yes. points, I'm going to guess McClanahan's not number one. He is not. I think he drops to third, but yeah, both of those are both of those still guys are still five. inside the top three yeah. uh, in points leagues. The other ones, Joe Musgrove, Justin Verlander, and Nestor Cortez in a points league. Alec Manoa is in there over Cortez. I believe he has nine quality starts in 10 tries this season. Uh, Scott, Sandy Alcantara is the one I just quickly wanted to mention. His slider usage is up over his last four starts, and that's when we saw him kind of take off last year and the swinging strikes started to come more frequently, that's been the case. He's got a 0.56 ERA over his last four starts with a 15.4% swinging strike rate. 
Yeah, I think at some point he's going to have to decide whether he wants to be more of a bat misser or more of a ground ball guy. Uh, and I don't think, like, I think he's going to be a ground ball guy either way. But, like, do you want the early, the contact early in counts? Or do you want to to really take it to the opposing hitter and, and try to make him look silly? Because I think he's he's capable of that. And he has the swinging strike rates of a big strikeout pitcher. It's just... Is he going like is is that is that what he's going to aim to do with more sliders, more changeups, which is also a good swing and miss pitch for him? Uh, and we've seen him, we've seen him dabble with that a lot more of it in the second half last year, which is why we we're hoping for a step forward. Uh, but his caper nine is actually down a little from last year, so I, we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't seen him alter his approach too much. The top Not five. that it's mattered that much, right? Because he's been great. Yeah, he's been great. The top five at relief pitcher in Roto, Clay Holmes, Josh Hader, David Bednar, <laughs> Keegan Thompson, and Luis Severino. Completely Clay Holmes different. Holmes number one? He's number one. Reliever. <laughs> I think he has four or five wins, and he also has like eight saves, so that'll yeah. do it. Uh, yeah. It's completely different in head-to-head points. Martin Perez, Josh Hader, Kenley Jansen, Taylor Rogers, and Liam Hendricks. Chris, real quick, who has more saves the rest of the season for the Yankees, Clay Holmes or Aroldis Chapman? I think it has to be Chapman. Um, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be, but Ooh. we've but like we've done this several times over the last few seasons. There have been stretches where Chapman's either gotten hurt or been ineffective, and they've either pulled him from the role or you know given him rest, and then he eventually gets back to the closer role. And so unless he's just broken, and maybe he will be, um, I still think there's a strong bias towards him being the closer when he's healthy. And part of that is just like, I don't know if a Chapman's going to be useful as a non-closer, you know, like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to like find the right words to put it in, but like lefty specialist. There you go. I just, I think there's so, so much of his, appeal personally is tied into being a closer that like that's a hard thing to get around yeah it could be just Uh, i don't know if he's a guy who's going to be okay not being the closer you know he's been a closer for so long so i get that i think you know normally financials and politics will work their way into a situation like this he's in the final year of his contract so i don't think that the yankees are as invested in getting him back to the closer role as they have been in years past but i could be wrong about that the call to the bullpen we have just one update and that was for the Mariners on Monday. Diego Castillo walked one, but picked up his third save. Paul Sewald had pitched three of the last four days. And if you are looking for the bullpen report, it'll be out on the site on Tuesday, written by our own Scott White. So make sure to check that out. Yep. To stream or not to stream, let's start with uh, Tuesday's action. We have Graham Ashcraft versus the Diamondbacks, Edward Cabrera versus the Nationals, Keegan Thompson at the Orioles, Jose Quintana versus the Tigers. Dakota Hudson at the Rays, Jeffrey Springs versus the Cardinals, and Connor Pilkington versus the Rangers. One, some great names here. <laughs> Connor Pilkington, obviously an excellent name, but Graham Ashcraft also sounds like someone from like a Neil Gaiman like fantasy novel or something, so that's cool. Um, Edward Cabrera would probably be my number one, given the matchup and given how good he looked in that first start. Um but him, Springs, and Ashcraft, yeah. I think, are all useful. 
I'd go Springs over Cabrera, but those two I would fine, say yeah. are, are pretty close to to musts in in on Tuesday. On Wednesday, and, uh, Cabrera I would say is must roster. Yeah, he's only fifty five percent rostered, so that's too low. Get him on your teams. Quintana uh, versus the Tigers isn't bad either, just because it's the Tigers. Oh yeah. Start anyone against the Tigers. I mean, if we can get a slow pitch softball Chris Towers out there, I mean, I'd probably stream him against the Tigers right Spin now. Spin rate so. was pretty pretty impressive <laughs> today, guys. Yeah, I want to send me the Statcast numbers, Chris. I'll I'll do a deep dive on that. <laughs> uh, Wednesday, we've got Alex Fiedo at the Pirates, Yusei Kikuchi at the Twins, Dane Dunning at the Guardians, Adrian Hauser versus the Phillies, and Alex Wood versus the Rockies. I am starting Wood in uh, Tout Wars. I didn't necessarily want to, but home versus the Rockies swayed me, so I'll go with him. This is you know, technically their first series out of Coors Field in a while, so that could, could be the, the hangover effect, the Coors hangover. Yeah. You know, Wood, Wood would be my first choice here, but he doesn't have a six-inning start all season. He has, I mean, he just hasn't been good. He's no, he hasn't. He's got almost to five. Yeah, I mean, we could say the same thing, I guess, about Alex Cobb, right? His teammate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like the Tuesday group better than the Wednesday group, but yes. uh, I, Dane Dunning at Cleveland isn't bad. Alex Fido at Pittsburgh isn't bad. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd yeah. stick with those. I do like Fido as well. Uh, Team name Tuesday. I didn't forget about you. I still got some names written down here from last week. This one's from Paul Crone Thugs and Harmani. <laughs> I think you don't need the Manny part of it, but I like it. It's pretty good. I think you you could just go with the Crone Thugs and Harmony. From uh, Chris. Don't overcomplicate it. From Chris Towers. Uh, Psycho Gorman. After I, don't, I don't get that one. The movie Psycho Gorman, I think. It sounds pretty low know. budget. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything about it. Break a leg, man. I like that one. <laughs> uh, student Detmers. Yep. On the Contreras. That's pretty good. From Greg. Boz Flute. Yeah. I think I like jazz. He wrote jazz flute from Anchorman in parentheses. Yeah. But it's it's the way what's his name pronounces it. Uh, Will Ferrell? No, the other guy in that movie, the guy who plays the manager of the restaurant. I can't remember his name. Fred Armisen. <laughs> and how, how does he pronounce it? How does he I say it? Like like a like jazz flute. <laughs> oh. Baz flute. <laughs> All right. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I guess. Yeah, it's been a while for yeah. me too. Uh, this one's from Mike Wit or Wit Trout. You. See again, I think you're just I think you're over overcomplicating it, but I like the effort. I like I it. it. I, I like when people go they're so bad that they're good. It's it's kinda like the John Sterling effect. From Jeremy, I did it all for the Mookie. Come on. Our Limp Biscuit fans out there. I From, don't I don't know that I believe in so bad it's good, if I'm gonna be perfectly <laughs> honest in any context. All right, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Cookies and milk, so bad it's good. From Daniel, Manny <laughs> Machelada. <laughs> it looks like a like a Michelada, like that, like the weird drink with clam juice. Is I, that what that is? I think Am so. Am I thinking of the right thing? I, I think so. I think that's what it is. From, no, that's a clamato. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, uh, but it, there is a drink, something like that, Chris. Mitchell, I don't know, something like that. From Bro, tell us me something good. Okay. And can of corn. The yep. last one of the day comes from Cajun Pete, Julio the Jet Rodriguez. Yeah. All right. Well, this okay, is yeah, over. So it's, it's some Mexican beer, some tomato juice or Clamato juice, lime juice, Worcester sauce, 
Yes. Some hot sauce. That's where I've seen it. I, That's a thing. I've seen it in a Mexican restaurant, I believe. And yep. I've never had one because I refuse to gross. drink anything that has like tomato juice or hot sauce yeah. in it. So Bloody Marys, no, not happening for me. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.